Homages, good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on a grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're going to spend a couple hours up till the 5 o'clock, up till the end of the work week, engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news and politics. We'll uh, check in on some weather issues and, uh, you know, talk about health care. Good times. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us as always. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us, whether you're driving around town in your car, tuned into Information 1000 KSOO or on the KSOO mobile app with the one-touch streaming, maybe just sitting at a desk somewhere, riding out the week, trying to, you know, get through till Fiverr at KSO.com, we're here for you. We're here to help you through it. It's just, you just got to make a big push here. File the last couple of things you need to file. Send the last couple of emails. You know, get a timestamp on something that proves you were there, that proves you were working. Or any front dating of contracts, yeah. not back dating. Not back dating. Front back dating. dating is bad. We know that now. Back dating is bad. Uh, from the whole uh, gear up scandal, I who knew <laughs> you can't backdate a contract. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, front date all your contracts. Uh, you know, maybe set some uh, uh, social media posts up, like work related social media posts. Uh, like do a, a, a scheduled post and say what? Clearly, I was working. You know, you can create you can create the facade of working in the modern environment, and I think that's what is most important. Not actual work, but the facade of working. That's what we do here in radio. <laughs> and what a facade it is. And it doesn't it doesn't lean out into the street no, like it did downtown. No, it is a fully connected facade of work. And uh it's not going anywhere soon. Uh say, uh Dan. Yes. Uh was that what I thought it was earlier? Was that snow? That was actual snow. That wasn't like fake little, oh, is that really snow and mixed in with the rain? Those were like big fluffy flakes of snow. Oh, my cheese. <laughs> Sifted from the sky. Sifted from the sky. I immediately texted our friend Phil Shrek. Chief Meteorologist at KSFY Severe Weather Center because he'll be on the show later. And I'm like, uh, dude, and he, you know, I was not warned of this snow. And he said, that's why I said it was a slight chance. Slight chance. And, uh, and it's true. It's true. He had that, you know, he leaves himself that little plausible deniability bit in there snow and that did not make me feel uh real confident going into the weekend of racing and it feels like well it'll be gone soon it's moving off to the east and i'm like thanks a lot phil because i'm going east (laughs) (laughs) oh come on now this ought to get you in the mood good old dino since we have no place to go let it snow let it snow let it snow Oh, Dino. God, I love that guy. Remember uh, uh, the, the Dean Martin roasts? Oh, yes, absolutely. The Rowan and Martin roasts. Yes, that was fabulous. And just Dino showing up on Carson, what have you. Hey! Hey! <laughs> how's it going? Uh, so I'm packing up. We're all packed up. Uh, I got the car is full. The, 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 cro- the crossover machine is completely full. I had to get another... I had to borrow another roof rack because I had to make, so I got four bikes on this trip. Um, and, and normally I would be able to like squeeze one of those into the back and then just put the three outside on the, on the rack. But that is not going to happen anymore because the bikes have gotten bigger recently. So I had to borrow a roof rack. So now I've got three on the back, one on the top and everything else just crammed in there. Well, I'm glad you got the one on the top because then that will help 
at least not counterbalance too much of your weight distribution to the back. You know, you don't want to be driving down the road doing half a wheelie. No. And I, I saw there was this guy, uh, he actually is from Montana or Wyoming or something. And he used to travel around going to bike races. And he had, he had like a, a big sedan, you know, like a, uh, a boat, like a, uh, uh, one of them big Chevys, like a Chevy Caprice. Like a, yeah, that's what it was Ford, And he had a, a four bike rack on the back of that thing, but it would kind of hang down. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man. And now here I am. I got four bikes on the car, but at least it's not a Chevy Caprice. I can still get some stuff in there or a Ford LTD. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Them things. <laughs> cop, cop condition. Got the cop motor. Cop Cop stocks. Yeah, cop shocks. Uh, no, so we're all loaded up. It's completely full. It's There's still some more to go in there. There's just going to be stuff hanging from the rafters in there. And uh, headed out east, going to Minneapolis this weekend to go racing. And so it's snowing. And I'm like, come on, man. This is, oh, my geez, this ain't good. And But now it's stopped. You're, you're telling me the sun's coming out tomorrow. Is that what I'm hearing? If I could sing the Annie tune, I would do it. The Andy tune? The Annie tune. Annie tune. Oh, the sun will come out tomorrow. Oh, you can sing it. You have a love. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Took oh. me a little while to get the note, but I got it. Oh, my geez, that's nice. <laughs> that's reminding people that's our new catchphrase. It is. Oh, my geez. Oh, my geez. <laughs> Uh, we got to get those shirts ordered. Hats. Yes, and our new catchphrase has drawn favorable response from numerous corners. Yeah, it has, especially in the social medias. We got to get that out there. Hashtag Omajis. And it's O H M U H J E E Z. I would make, in my hashtag, I would make the O, the M, and the J caps. So you get that Omajis. You know, right off, you don't get confused because it might look, if they're lowercase, you're not, you'd be like, what is that? But if O, M, and J are uppercase in the hashtag, then you're good. The O, my G's. And then, you know, when the shirts and stuff come, it could just be hashtag O, my G's. How about a toque, like a winter toque? Ooh, or even bomber hat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my geez, what a hat that is. <laughs> I like that. A bomber hat with just oh, my geez across the front. Oh, my geez. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. Yeah, so uh, the powers of be here at uh, Results Radio uh, were kind enough to make us some little audio drop-ins. So it's not, oh, my geez is not going anywhere soon. It's going to hang right there. I want other, I'm hoping that like we can get turn over at ESPN 99.1 or Pileshi over there. Jerry I bet P. Jerry P would do, do Jerry something. Jerry P will do old Majis. It's a good idea. I got to get on that. Got to get a, like an all staff memo out on all Majis. Yes. A celebrity panel of all Majis. All Majis. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we're going racing this weekend. We'll see how it goes. It's supposed to be uh, uh, nice. It's going to be okay tomorrow. Uh, Sunday again, though, up in, it's going to be chilly, but hopefully then next weekend for Elmwood Forest Cross here in the fine city of Sioux Falls, uh, we'll have a nice fall day, sunshine, you know, mid sixties. That's that kind of thing. Crunchy leaves underfoot. That's what we're going for. In the meantime, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Dr. Matthew Stanley. He's clinical vice president of behavioral health service line. He's going to be here to talk about the Helmsley trust grant that will bring uh, more behavioral health services to rural areas of South Dakota through their fancy e-care deal over there at Avera. The Buffalo maiden is our weird friend of the day, checking in from the black Hills bureau. And I'll have a PL statement just after the next break. It's today's topic, Trump, the fed and millennials. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 321 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And oh my geez, we're getting closer to free with the Bodines. 
And I'm um, looking through the news. It's time for the PL statement where we talk about things that are bothering us or got our attention. And uh, a couple things today that I was reading uh, sort of, you know, conflate for me, maybe. They seemingly, uh, you know, unrelated, not really unrelated because they're related by one person, really, President of the United States. One, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday when we were talking about the markets um, that uh, the president. Uh, you know, has always hooked his star to the stock market. It's gone up so much, and you know that's good for everybody, right? But as everybody always tells us, the stock market is not the economy. Um, and I think uh, uh, me and others have pointed that out to the president when he was taking credit for the stock market, that he shouldn't do that, you know, because it's going to go down even if the economy's good, right? Corrections. That's what happens. And uh, so this is uh, from the New York Times, as always. Trump attacks the Fed as stocks fall and the midterms loom. loom. So, you know, the market was uh, back up a little bit today, which is good news. But uh, we know that it had uh, a bad week. And uh, the S&P 500, which is, you know, the broader measure of the stocks, uh, was down Thursday 2.06%, which is a lot for Standard & Poor's 500. And the Dow was uh, down uh, quite a bit over the last couple of days. So President Trump, this is from, uh, uh, this is yesterday, I believe. Yeah, this story came out last night. President Trump responded to falling stock prices on Thursday by continuing to throw rocks at the Federal Reserve, which he has described as crazy, loco, going wild, and out of control for slowly raising interest rates against the backdrop of a booming economy. No other modern president has publicly attacked the Fed with such venom or frequency. Indeed, some scholars said the only close historical parallel was with President Andrew Jackson, who campaigned successfully in the 1830s to close the Fed's predecessor, the second bank of the United States. Uh, and, you know, it did not end well for President Andrew Jackson as he was, uh, he was impeached. He wasn't convicted. He was, uh, I believe he was impeached by the House. That was a long time ago. Um, and, you know, the uh, president's folks have, uh, come to his defense to, you know, interpret, interpret his positions. Uh, Larry Kudlow, among them, who is the uh, chief economic advisor to the president these days. Um, and he said, uh, uh, what did he say here? This is, he said, Mr. Trump was just offering his two cents. I don't think he's calling out the Fed, quote unquote, Mr. Kudlow told reporters. I really mean this. I think he's giving you his opinion. He is a obviously successful businessman. He's a very well-informed investor. He has his views, but he's not saying to them, to them change your plan. Mm. Is he? <laughs> I think he is. Uh, and, you know, these are his people. These are the people he has, uh, he has uh, appointed, right? So, you know, you wouldn't think that he'd be so critical of them. And now he, you know, so the market goes down. Market goes up. It's all because of his economic policies. Market goes down. It's somebody else's fault. And the fact of the matter is that interest rates have to go up because inflation is becoming a real threat because the economy is doing well. Presidents don't have that much effect on the economy. You have to be very careful what you choose to take credit for because often you don't have anything to do with it. Which brings me to this really cool uh, column, uh, also in the Times, by Timothy Egan, who's just a, he's a contributor. But the headline is, After Ruining Mayonnaise, Can Millennials Save America? Uh, and I posted this on our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show, and it's, it's very good. Uh, Mocking millennials has become a sport and a pastime. You've heard most of the complaints about the trophies for showing up, Instagramming of tedium, the use of Venmo to buy street drugs, they ruined lunch, motorcycles, and marriage. They gave us selfies at funerals and placenta pics from the delivery room. As they move into the dominant demographic position in American life, they've made doorbells obsolete, better to text, vacations passe, too busy, and face-to-face -face conversations a lost art. See doorbells. Um, it, it goes on and on, and it's really good. Uh, but it, the, the point being is um, millennial, it's not just mocking millennials, but they don't vote. 
The numbers tell a shameful story. Barely half of all eligible millennium voters cast a ballot in the last presidential election, compared with nearly 70% of baby boomers and the two generations older than them. The midterms are far worse. In 2014, just 16% of people between the ages of 18 and 29 voted. 16% between 18 and 29 in 2014. But here's the deal. Uh, Millennials are going to be the largest voting bloc very soon. As uh, Mr. Egan says, right now we have the gov- have government by an entitled, pampered, and aging minority. Barely 46% of the popular vote put Trump in office, and senators representing 44% of the nation just gave a man whose views are not shared by a majority a lifetime seat on the Supreme Court. Government by the few and the well-connected will continue so long as the emerging majority does not exercise the most powerful option for a citizen. The good news is that turnout increases by 1% each year as you age, but we can't afford to wait. Millennials, this one's on you. That, I mean, those are some bad numbers. All right, I'm, I'm happy to claim I am neither a boomer nor a millennial. Clearly, I'm not a millennial. I'm much too old for that. I am, I am of the proud Gen X. I am, I am a, a notch baby. I am between everything, all the great population trends. So it's not my fault. <laughs> no, go out and vote, people. What is wrong with you kids? What kind of country do you want? Really? Seriously? Quit complaining and go vote. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me? You can uh, email me, Patrick at KSO.com. Follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the break, after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we are going to chat with, oh my geez. It's the Buffalo Maiden on Weird Friends. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. But you don't see him, do you, dear? And there's a waitress <laughs> with a sweet tattoo. She's gorgeous and in love with you. Uh-huh. But you don't really care. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, it's Friday, and it's... Weird friends times, and we're very happy to touch base with the Black Hills Bureau, the Buffalo Maiden from beautiful downtown Custer, uh, where it's probably what, like sixty-five and sunny, right? It's beautiful. It is. It is. Well, you know what? But it is windy. We do have a slight breeze. But uh, you know what's going on right now, Pat? You're missing it. It is the homecoming day parade. Every student is now parading down Main Street. It's so exciting. Can well, you that, feel? Can you feel it? Yeah, you feel I excitement? can. I can. I can hear the, 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 the pelting candy hitting the windows on the front of the your... The candy is hitting the windows. The parents are taking pictures. The kids are doing cartwheels. Wow, those kids are talented. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're doing cartwheels and they're going... But you know what I don't get is if you're a marching band, what are you doing riding on the back of a pickup on a trailer? How what? could that be a marching band? That's not a marching band. You're on the back of a flatbed, a really long flatbed. But... uh that, that's not that's not a marching band. That's a sitting band. That's an orchestra. That's not right. With a big tuba too. Oh well, they have a tuba in Custer. That's good. Just one. We got. We have one. We have one tuba. Well, yep. you know, I was the lone tuba player when we were in high school as well. So I know what the I know the feeling. Oh my gosh, this parade is it's so it's so funny. Oh wait, here comes a little band. Maybe this is the junior high band. There's. Twelve members and they are wa- they are marching. <laughs> so they There's no the... tuba, but can you hear the drum? There's a big drum. <laughs> <laughs> it's all drums, as it turns out. Oh, drums and flutes. Like, yep, that's what it is. That is a couple of clarinets. You're gonna love it. I'm sorry you're missing out on this because it's pretty exciting. <laughs> this is pretty good play by play. Highlight a custer right now. <laughs> so, we won't win a football game, but we got a parade, man. We got a parade. Is uh. Uh, so your your restaurant there at Sage Creek Grill is right down on Main Street. So you're just sitting we're, in the front of the store. Oh, front of the like, it's restaurant. like Times Square here. Yeah, we're right. Yeah, we're right in it. We're in it to win it here. Yeah, we got people lined up. It's crazy. You got like drink specials and stuff during the parade? You can hang uh, out? And... No, you know, this is kind of a kid thing. Um, so, you know, we Kool-Aid maybe. <laughs> you, know, you know what I love, though, about Custer's parades is that... <laughs> The homecoming, you know how they always ride these fancy cars? Mm-hmm. Well, our homecoming, uh, whatever, royalty, they ride in Jeeps, <laughs> you know, the back of a big four-wheel drive pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They've got mud all around them. Is but it, it's, 
you it's know, Custer. is it a big parade, a long parade? I mean, other than the band and the royalty. Well, you got every, uh, so every child from kindergarten through high school is walking in this parade. I, maybe it's an exercise thing, too. I'm not sure. But um, except for the ones that get to ride on the flatbeds of pickup trucks because they're royalty. You know, uh, I, I did that in the band once. They uh, going, I think it was the St. Patrick's Day parade. And, ah. and so it wasn't marching band season, right? So we were in the parade and we just rode on the back of a flatbed like that. And it was terrible because particularly when you're playing the tuba, all right, which if you uh, know anything about the laws of physics, you uh, are familiar with inertia. So (laughs) uh, in a parade, nothing ever goes, nothing is ever consistent. It's stop and go. And so every time the, the truck, which, you know, wasn't the smoothest takeoff to begin with, uh, Would would lurch forward, you know. I get smacked in the face by the mouthpiece. This is not this is not quality <laughs> banding. You should have, that was kind of like a forcey into your future, maybe to get smacked in the face with <laughs> mouthpieces or helmets or bicycle uh, yeah, or whatever. It's true. You, oh, know, you never know. Oh my geez, that's the way it was. This is my new catchphrase, by the way. Oh my geez. Oh, oh gosh. You got to spread that around the hills because I I've got a merchandising campaign that I'm going to be doing. Oh, my geez. Right oh, my geez. Well, that sounds like something from years ago. I know. Well, it's, it's, got, it's retro, and it's got a kind of a Scandinavian flair, although I'm not Scandinavian. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like but, Ufta, only it's all oh, my geez. <laughs> See? It's, we have retro here. Um, that I, I sent you that we have down memory lane in our newspaper. Do you guys have that in the Argus Leader? Uh, not anymore. Oh. That got cut. Because <laughs> uh, we still keep that in our newspaper. Actually, this newspaper, the Custer newspaper, once a week is bigger than most of the newspapers that come out every day. But uh, so, 120 years ago, mm-hmm. which would put us what in 1898 ish. Yeah. Um, this uh, Miss Lena Morrow uh, came. She's an, she was an advocate of women's suffrage, which I don't know if you know that that got passed. That you know, women's <laughs> the right for women to vote. Yes, but in. 19 or 1898 she came to talk about it and and the article goes on to say this is you know uh, 120 years ago that the house was not crowded and little interest was manifested (laughs) however it cannot be denied that the lady is a fluent and pleasant speaker (laughs) (laughs) and in the case if the case was a pressing one there's no doubt her arguments would have gained some converts (laughs) And then it goes on to say, women have been granted, in some instances, more rights than men and are in no way oppressed. (laughs) Do you believe this? No. No. (sighs) No. And then it goes on to say, uh, the women uh, women in America do not desire suffrage. Our lady orders must talk for many a day to yet to dull and listless ears. (laughs) Now, this is 120 years ago, and you were just talking about getting out the kids to get out to vote. I think I just cut the end of it. Yep. And this is something that was printed in my lovely Custer newspaper 120 years ago. Um, but, you know, granted, women have way more rights than men all these years, according to whoever wrote that. Whoever was the uh, editor of the uh, Custer, what is it, the Custer Clarion Call? Chronicle. Chronicle. Custer County Chronicle. Yeah. So, it's the oldest newspaper in, in the hills, isn't it? Gotta be, gotta be. You know what? They're they're hiring, and I just wanted to put that out there. Full time work hiring what? in the hills. You could move out here, and you could have been you could have been taking photographs of that homecoming day parade. That would be fun. That'd be good duty. I'm telling you, retirement. So what's the gig? I think it's Hill City, the Prevailer. Oh, Prevail. Yeah, it's a different newspaper owned by the same people. Oh, I see. It's not in Custer. Well, no, but wouldn't you rather be in Hill City? No. They have way I... more going on. Oh, um, yes. Well, you're up on top of the hill, so. Yeah, yeah, you're in, <laughs> you're in a hill in a city. Actually, they, they yeah, have that. Pretty, they pretty much shut down in the wintertime except for that Alpine Inn, so. That's true. Yeah, we they, have way more going on. They have that little coffee hut right outside of Hill City, too, that's very good. <gasps> oh, the happiest couple in the United States. Yes. I highly recommend that little. I can't remember what it's called, but it's right out. Right, you're coming into Hill City. Uh, I think side. we call it the Coffee Cabin. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and they are the happiest couple ever. And if uh, anybody uh, gets a chance to stop there, they should stop and just 
meet this couple. They work every day together, and um, they're the epitome of happy marriages. I uh, or they put a good show on. <laughs> well, I don't I, know. that's why I stopped there. It cheers up my day along with the coffee. Yes. they're so nice. Yeah, it should. It should. Um, you know, uh, I want to touch on this suffrage thing though that you were mentioning because yes. that's you know it it points out that. That, that that it wasn't that long ago, okay, when women couldn't vote. And, and the fact that the millennials, the punks, don't yeah. vote, I mean, I just, it's disturbing to me. It's yeah. disturbing to me because these, that points out the, 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 what, what we have let, what we take for granted, what these, what these kids today, these kids today. What I find with uh, that last line, that uh, you could just change it and say the majority of millennials in America do not desire suffrage or the right to vote. Yeah. And you can talk, but yet it goes to dull and listless ears. <laughs> um, they could just, we could just rewrite this and make it this, uh, this year. That's perfect. So that's in the Custer County Chronicle. That's yes, pretty awesome. Yes, it is. So yes. the, this uh, this job. Let's get back to the job for a second. It's in the Hill job. City. Oh yes, the job. Photographer. Job. You what? have to. Uh, you reporter, photographer. See, oh. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. And uh, you do need a degree and maybe some photography skills. Well, um, no, I, but I faked my way through that before. Social media skills. Yeah, I got all that. What do you think that? See, pays? I'm telling you, uh, a lot. You know, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> It's going to pay a lot. I just have a feeling newspapers pay a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to pay probably uh, enough for you to survive in the and live in in paradise. Yeah, that's true. You do get to live in the hills then. In the second best little city in in America, or whatever, however you always say that. That's cu- that's Custer. That's not Hill City. Right, right. I'd rather live in Custer. <laughs> I could though. I could live in Custer. You could and work commute. In it's city. only a fifteen minute commute. You could ride the Mickelson Trail every mm. day. That would be awesome. And I could, can I get an apartment from you? Yeah, I got it. I do. Well, this There's is no a- heat, but you don't need heat because <laughs> it stays 60 here all year round. <laughs> so, there's no heat? There's no heat in one of them. We don't need heat. He's saying we're in the, we're tough out here. Nobody needs heat. That's true. I just need blankets. Yeah. It'll be mm-hmm. fine. There's uh, electricity. I, I can't, I don't think I could live in that one that's in the middle though. It only has the sky. No, that's, that's, that's only for special people. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. I got one for you. It's all ready. All right. We're going to talk about that when we come right back, okay? You're, we're coming back, okay? Yeah, we're coming back. <laughs> oh, my geez. Of course we are. Oh, my geez. I got nothing to do. All right. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. We'll be right back with the Buffalo Maiden on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty nine on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we're continuing to talk with the Buffalo Maiden. And Buffalo Maiden, I won't, I won't keep you long because I know you're busy. And, and you know, you've got, a, you've got a restaurant to run out there, Sage Creek Grill. Now, yeah. But you're, you're leaving town, right? I'm leaving town, man. We're, uh, we're, you know, one of the joys of living in a tourist community, which I think Custer finally should identify itself as a tourist community. Yeah. Um, is we can close down. So we're closing down this uh, Saturday. We have two more nights to cook, and then we're down for uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks. Wow. And so you're just, you're just going to leave town, and, and those of us who are left behind with no, uh, well, I won't be there. Subway's either. open. Yep, yeah. you can eat a Subway. Subway's <laughs> open. Well, and there's a Pizza Hut. Yeah, there is a Pizza Hut year-round. Yep, there's plenty of places to eat in town. We're heading to, I'm heading out to uh, places I've never been. I've never been to um, Cortez or Mancos or Mesa Verde, Canyon of the Ancients. Man, that's an ambitious trip. It is ambitious because I don't know if you realize, but if you go from, you know, like here, or if you're coming from Minnesota or Wisconsin, all you got to do is go straight, right? You just got to go straight down some road, Mm -hmm. any road. And you're going straight. But Colorado, have you ever tried to get across Colorado? It's not as easy as you might think. It's crazy. They have these mountains that are just all over the place. And they don't have roads all over the place. So it's kind of, uh, it'll be interesting. No, I once drove from to where you're going, down to Mesa Verde, the Four okay. Corners area, right? Yeah. And actually, corners. that's where I was. I was in uh, the corner of Four New Mexico days. when I read in the USA Today that uh, Bill Janklow had run over that guy. 
Isn't that weird? Huh. Like that is weird. You think about it now, it would show up on my phone. But right. at the time, I, I I was completely out of touch. And so I stop in some little town. I'm reading the USA Today. <laughs> Bill Janklow, gov- you know, con- Congressman Bill Janklow ran over a guy. I'm like, what? Wow. So that's, that's uh, it's a, a long, long drive. Time ago. It was. It is a long drive. It is a drive. long drive. And it is. But it's, I think it'll be where I'm a little afraid that it might be on my list of places to retire. Ooh, really? Well, that yeah. wouldn't be bad. I, uh, I, it might be all right. But here's my, here's my fear, though. The new uh, um, thing that came out about global warming in mm-hmm. 2030. Mm-hmm. I mean, bad. that's not that long from now. No. We're in so, trouble. I need to find, my whole new uh, game plan is to find the most ideal place to spend the last years of my life. Mm-hmm. It's a good plan. Without any risk of storms or hurricanes or earthquakes or a volcano fallout. <laughs> yeah. You know, wouldn't so, that be in the mountains somewhere, though? I mean, honestly, because no. the seas are going to be coming up. The oceans are going to be rising. I'm thinking North Dakota. The very north part of North Dakota. Really? Now that, I, that's not what I would have picked. Dunseith. Have you ever been there? No, I've been there, actually. (laughs) What is it called? Dunseith. Not like, I don't know, Dunseith. The Turtle Mountain Reservation, Indian Reservation. Yeah. I know somebody that grew up up there. I used to live there. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. But I'm thinking North Dakota, the Peace Garden. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can always head over into Canada, no mm-hmm. problem. You can always escape into Canada. And you're out of the volcano uh, if, when Yellowstone, which you know they closed parts of Yellowstone this summer because of that. Oh, volcanic. because of the, uh, yeah. That's, well, that's, yeah. The, uh, that's the big volcano that's going to blow up most of North America. Right, right but, I think, but I've seen the, the flow, and we're yeah. okay if you're north. Okay, so we're all going to be living up in North Dakota. Oh, my geez, we've got to move, eh? Oh, my geez, so you're already talking like them. So <laughs> I think you'll be fine. I think I'll, I'll start uh, looking for property. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, okay. Buffalo Maiden, thanks. And uh, we'll see if we can hook up with you on your vacation, but probably not. We'll talk to you when you get back, all right? I'll call you from the cliff, the cliff dwellings. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Take care of yourself okay. and stay okay. warm. All right, thanks. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with Phil Shrek of KSFY Weather and uh, find out really what's going to happen here. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Don't forget, through the 17th, which is coming up, Feed Seniors Now Food Drive, Comfort Keepers has partnered with the Salvation Army to collect non-perishable food donations to supplement the Senior Commodities Program. Drop off your donation at any high in Sioux Falls, Active Generations, Andy's Affiliated Foods, Franklin Foods, Comfort Keepers, Sola Salon, and Fairway in Sioux Falls and Harrisburg. More than 5,500 commodity boxes were distributed this year. Your donation will help provide healthy, nutritious meals for seniors. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with Phil Shrek at KSFY Weather. And find out what's going to happen this weekend. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four sixteen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and I'm happy to have on the phone with us today Dr. Matthew Stanley. He's Clinical Vice President of the Behavioral Health Service Line, and uh, I, I wanted to get uh, Dr. Stanley on the phone because uh, there recently was news that the uh, Helmsley Trust has uh, contributed uh, a fair amount of money to uh, expanding behavioral health in the area. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but first of all, Dr. Stanley, thanks a lot for taking some time for us today. Well, thank you, Patrick. I always look forward to the opportunity to talk a little about medicine and especially behavioral health care. So um, the Helmsley Trust, uh, now, it's, an, it's a great story because uh, Walter Penzier, who is a, a grandson of, the, of Leona Helmsley, obviously people remember Leona Helmsley, and so he's one of the folks who uh, uh, administers the trust of the family. 
and he moved to South Dakota some time ago and has gotten very involved in healthcare issues and uh, has done a lot with Avera. Um, uh, this is just uh, the most recent example of of the the Helmsley Trust's involvement in in South Dakota and healthcare. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how that relationship is has benefited uh, Avera and healthcare in this area. Yeah, we I can't tell you how fortunate we are in South Dakota and uh, at, and at Avera to have relationships with the Helmsley Trust. You know, if you haven't met, met Walter Panzer. You know, he is a South Dakotan, uh, but more than that, he's been engaged, I think, in uh, a lot of different levels. He's had some experience in healthcare and understands the, you know, I think just the challenges that we face in healthcare in general, but specifically to South Dakota, um, you know, and, and I think has a real passion. It, it comes out really clear when you talk to him about improving health care delivery uh, to rural areas throughout the Midwest. You know, he lives here. He uh, He's raising his family here. Uh, so very in touch. And so those conversations when we touch on health care and, you know, the frustrations and challenges that exist currently and the concerns we have for, uh, you know, our patients and our family, friends, and neighbors, uh, he has uh, a very... Uh, active ear and listening and a very compassionate approach to uh, assisting us in developing developing new uh, new approaches to solving some of these challenges it, it obviously South Dakota big place and we've we've been hearing we've heard about the the difficulty in delivering health care uh, in many different facets but certainly uh, this is specific to behavioral health and uh, probably most people don't realize the uh, the added difficulty uh, in terms of bringing uh, behavioral health care to people in rural South Dakota, the challenges uh, are immense. Um, I, I'm wondering if you could characterize for us a little bit the, the, the difficulty that you have in terms of bringing health care to people, behavioral health care, uh, you know, out to rural South Dakota and beyond. Yeah, I appreciate the chance to do that. You know, it's, there are multiple layers to the difficulties and if we just, even if we talk on the national scale, uh, psychiatrists uh, are our national shortage. Uh, there, there really are very few areas in the country that have an appropriate number of psychiatrists to treat the population in need. Uh, but even beyond that, even if you look at uh, counseling and chemical dependency, access to those services uh, is often very limited. And in South Dakota, you know. We have geographic challenges. I mean, certainly to see a psychiatrist, there's only a few towns in South Dakota that even have a psychiatrist available. You add to that that, you know, behavioral health issues are one of the most common uh, medical problems that people face. It's about 20% of Americans during the course of a year will meet the criteria for having uh, a psychiatric diagnosis. That's a tremendous number of people. You know, it's not isolated to urban areas. Uh, it's it's pretty uh, broadly uh, applicable. So when you look at many of our communities, there are no or very limited resources, certainly limited resources to reach someone who's been uh, trained in psychiatric medicine. And then we're all aware, I think, of growing crises like the opioid epidemic, Addictions in general, you know, we really aren't seeing a decline in those. Uh, our suicide rate is rising, and there's probably multiple reasons for that as well. So you can you can kind of see there's a, there's a number of different levels where we're being challenged uh, as healthcare systems, and and maybe more generally, we're being challenged as a nation uh, to respond to mental health. And I think to add to this. You know, there's always been, uh, and I think still exists, a stigma about seeking help. Mm-hmm. And we haven't really developed the same, I think, um, approach to behavioral health care as we have to health care in general. So, to some degree, even, uh, you know, our health care system is playing catch up. I, I think one of the more promising, uh, things that you'll see is 
I think the discussions about behavioral health care and the ways that we need to improve are, uh, you know, they're more candid now. Uh, this is certainly out in the open. So I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing uh, stronger attempts to improve this area of health care. It's uh, the grant from the Leona M. and Harry B. Helmsley Charitable Trust, that's the official name of it, um, is $7.8 million. So uh, it, it, it's telemedicine um, generally. We know what that is. Avera is, uh, uh, has, a, has a big network of telemedicine called eCare. But just tell me how this is going to work, okay? What are you going to do with this $7.8 million uh, in terms of behavioral health care? How does that work with telemedicine? Yeah, great question. So the grant is over three years, so there will be different phases or steps in this development. But one of the key things we see is providing access to people in their most at the most urgent point of care. So what we will be focusing on initially with the grant money is developing a telemedicine uh, psychiatric emergency room uh, that can then beam into emergency rooms across the region so that if you walk into a, a small town in South Dakota and they're uh, on this network, not only would you be able to see, you know, a, a physician or advanced practitioner uh, for a medical need, but if your need is, uh, you know, depression or suicidal ideation or psychosis, some form of behavioral health need, um, we would be able to reach into that emergency room in that town, wherever it may be uh, in South Dakota, and you'd have access to a board-certified psychiatrist 24-7, 365, to assist the team on site to deliver care to that, that person or that patient in need. So you'll be doing this uh, from, so obviously Avera has a behavioral health facility here and uh, that's uh, robust and is building an addiction center uh, and has a long history in, in behavioral medicine. Um, th- so, but will that, will that all that be done from Sioux Falls then, from your center here? Yeah, for the, for the most part, you know, you think of it, we call it an e-care hub. So think of a hub-and-spoke model. So we will have, you know, we have access here. Thankfully, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we have one of the strongest behavioral health programs in the Midwest, uh, including a psychiatry residency program. So our access to trained psychiatrists uh, is enriched, uh, but we'll be recruiting from across the country. But yes, the, the, the main hub is here in Sioux Falls. And from there, uh, we essentially have, Patrick, I would call it like a, a virtual hospital setting. So we will have a psychiatrist, uh, a behavioral health nurse specialist, uh, master's social workers in our hub. And so when the emergency room uh, would tap the button and tell us they need us to beam in, uh, we would be originating in Sioux Falls, but beam into whatever emergency room needs that assistance. And then over a, a video link, uh, we can interact with the patient, interact with the team that's on site, and help to not only uh, hopefully diagnose and, and develop a treatment plan for that patient, but also assist in uh, the disposition. If that patient needs a, a transfer uh, to an inpatient hospital, for instance, or needs some other level of care, uh, we can assist from the uh, beginning of the event, hopefully to you know a resolution, uh, or at least moving the patient to the right level of care they need to receive the right treatment. Uh, it's a it's a monumental task, and we're going to talk more about that with Dr. Matthew Stanley on the other side of the news and weather here, uh, and uh, talk more about Avera Behavioral Health's uh, reception of a seven point eight million dollar grant from the Leona and Harry B. Helmsley Charitable Trust, and talk more about the the really big footprint that's involved and in, and some of the more uh, impressive pieces of this service. We'll be right back with more on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand. KSOO. My money for one last pack of strings. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO, and we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Matthew Stanley, who's Clinical Vice President of Avera Behavioral Health Service Line, which we'll discuss, uh, and we're talking about the Helmsley 
Trust grant that uh, Behavioral Health recently received $7.8 million to bring behavioral health services to a very wide swath through their e-care system. Dr. Stanley, uh, 18 states are served by this, uh, by Behavioral Health Service Line. That That's shocking to me. That's a really big chunk of land. Yeah, I, I think most people aren't uh, probably aware of how widespread Avera's e-care services are. And, you know, in behavioral health, we're one of the youngest services to be uh, offered by e-care. When you talk about our broadest spread, you're probably talking about our emergency department services. And with telemedicine or e-emergency, uh, they're in, uh, and this, this number astonishes me, Patrick. I, I think they're in 14% of all critical access hospitals in the United States. So supporting smaller emergency rooms, they also support larger emergency rooms, but, uh, the kind of the scale of services here is amazing. And eCare also, uh, provides services in areas, uh, like uh, intensive care units, so EICU. We have e-long-term care that helps support uh, nursing homes, e-pharmacy, helps support hospitals across the country. So really the scale is tremendous. And, and when you look at behavioral health, uh, we're piggybacking on that extensive network. And uh, as we talked about earlier uh, in this discussion, you know, we'll be working extensively with emergency rooms. We'll have a very close tie-in with our e-emergency services. Uh, but, yeah, you can also see that uh, there's some challenges that come with that kind of uh, breadth of service. Uh, you know, I mentioned across the country there is a shortage of psychiatrists who are just recruiting uh, available mm-hmm. uh, professionals. But then, um, you know, each community uh, and each state even uh, has a little bit different assets that you can call on to help support patients if they're going to uh, receive services outside of the hospital. So there are there's a number of challenges in this, but I do think telemedicine uh, is, you know, it's the only solution, I think, what, to rural America particularly, but probably uh, even urban areas, there's significant shortages of a number of specialists. And you know, specialists tend to congregate in large areas. So when we're talking about swaths of South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, and beyond, the only way I think we're going to get high-quality services to those areas is through really learning to utilize telemedicine to its optimum. You know, it's interesting because we do talk about the rural areas, um, and obviously there's the challenges. But I'm thinking also uh, any any place uh, if you can bring uh, that behavioral health service, counseling, right, uh, just straight up at regular therapy that isn't a psychiatrist, but bring that to people where they live, in their homes, for instance, you drop one of the barriers often that people have in terms of getting service, like, uh, you know, people who, who don't necessarily want to get out and go to a therapist, um, things of this nature, all of a sudden, you can you can maybe just have somebody on your computer. That seems like a pretty revolutionary thought. Yeah, I, I think we're just tapping into the potential of those kind of things. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, I grew up in a small town, uh, pretty much knew uh, what car everybody drove. Yeah. <laughs> that, of course, that hasn't changed. Um, so I understand when people are, you know, a little reticent or hesitant about pulling up in front of a counseling center to park their car and go in for counseling. You know, it's, it harkens back to our early discussion that stigma still exists. Uh, but, you know, some of it's just, it's not stigma, it's just privacy. Um, people don't necessarily want uh, others to know what kind of health care issues they may be dealing with, including behavioral health. Yeah, absolutely. But then... Uh, as you said, to go directly to the consumer, right into the home, I think there's a whole new uh, revolutionary idea. And we, you know, at Avera, we've been uh, pushing that front out as as well. We have a, a, a smartphone access called Avera Now. And primarily what we're doing right now are, are primary care type issues, sore throat, that kind of thing. Uh, but as you said, the, as we expand these, uh, I think people that have... Previously, been unable or maybe unwilling to seek care, 
I think we will open up, uh, you know, new avenues to reach those kind of people. Yeah, when you can, when you can uh, maybe even just pick up a tablet or your phone and access service in a crisis moment. What could be that? That gets over one of the great hurdles of of behavioral health, right? Is that getting that access in the moment when you most need it? Right, and and we talked about the grant will be implemented in phases or steps, and we we already talked a little bit about uh, providing access in emergency rooms. So when people are brought in by family or friends or by themselves to an emergency room because they don't know where else to go. But one of the other uh, things that we are going to develop with, within this grant are uh, working with first responders. Uh, so law enforcement is probably... Uh, and I don't know if everyone realizes, but law enforcement are, are one of our key uh, team players in providing care for people with mental illness because often uh, they're called out in an emergent situation when somebody has voiced suicidal thoughts or already harmed themselves. And it's difficult for an officer. You know, they have many things they have to be uh, specialized in. We can't expect them to all be specialists in behavioral health care either. One of the one of the things we're going to develop with this grant, Patrick, is to uh, have the first responders able to carry, for instance, a tablet and utilize that to create that that uh, video contact. In this case, not necessarily with a psychiatrist, maybe a counselor and uh, an MSW to be able to talk to that patient in their home or you know wherever the event occurs and. Yeah, as you said, provide some counseling, but also to help the the first responder to assess the situation. You know, how severe is this? What level of care do I need to seek? Do I need to take this person to an emergency room, or is it something we can talk through right here in the home, and they'll be they'll be safe to go to an appointment tomorrow or see a psychiatrist in uh, follow up? So, yeah, and again, I think there's some people aren't aware of, but our law enforcement officers, sheriffs, and police officers spend a great deal of time uh, addressing these issues and then uh, transporting uh, individuals uh, to hospitals or emergency rooms. So I think there are kind of multiple benefits of being able to go right into the situation, talk to the individual in the home, and then you also uh, hopefully would have access to collateral informants. So if you're talking to a uh, teenager that's maybe under duress, you can also talk to the parent and get a little more background information. Mm-hmm. So I think the potential, as you said, uh, it, it really could be quite game-changing for uh, a lot of different uh, situations. And Sioux Falls area has a, a, you know, a, a crisis team uh, working with, uh, and our law enforcement works cooperatively and is working very hard to try and come up with solutions to keep people with mental illness out of jail. And one of the problems is that uh, oftentimes uh, situations escalate rather than de-escalate. And this would seem to me to be an important tool, as you said, for law enforcement to be able to de-escalate situations and bring in experts uh, very quickly. And um, that, I think, again, the potential there to work with law enforcement, just to keep people out of jail is uh, amazing. It really has huge implications for law enforcement right and and as you said the mobile crisis unit here uh sponsored by southeast behavioral health center it's been uh been a tremendous benefit to the community and and the number of people they've been able to reach the number of uh involuntary committals they've been able to decrease you know i think it has it's had a profound effect but even there there's a delay i mean you know you you have to get there you can use the phone and that sort of thing but this could be instantaneous with staff, you know, in uh, here at Avera, ready at a moment's notice. Right? right. I mean, that's how that's going to work. Yeah. Right. Virtually riding along with the officer and, and accessible when needed. Um, we're going to talk more with Dr. Matthew Stanley uh, after this short break. He is the clinical vice president of the Behavioral Health Service Line, and we'll talk more uh, with Avera, and we're going to talk more with about uh, uh, just how this is going to work and where all these people are going to come from. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe I won't feel so afraid 
448 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are chatting with Dr. Matthew Stanley. He's Clinical Vice President of the Vero Behavioral Health Service Line, and we've been talking about the $7.8 million three-year grant from the Helmsley Trust, uh, and uh, that's to bring expanded e-care to behavioral health. Uh, Dr. Stanley, um, uh, some amazing stats here, uh, really, about the uh, abil- the availability of of uh, behavioral health uh, services in rural areas. Uh, non-metropolitan counties, 65% do not have a psychiatrist. 47% do not have a psychologist. That's across the country. Um, and that's fairly acute here in South Dakota as well, which leads me to, beli- leads me to wonder, uh, we have this shortage nationwide of, of, health, of behavioral health professionals. Where are you going to get the people to ultimately staff this really ambitious uh, e-care behavioral health service? Well, it's, a, it's a great question. It is going to be one of our biggest challenges. You know, um, uh, we are fortunate to have a residency program here, which we have at, at Avera, uh, been expanding over the last several years. Uh, we currently have uh, psychiatry residencies, a four-year uh, program, and uh, each class is seven residents. So, you know, that's a, that's a nice um, graduating class as they come through, and that's a pretty recent increase in numbers. But without a doubt, you know, when you look at expanding services and trying to build something new, um, the acquisition of good talent is definitely our rate-limiting step. So we are, you know, with the grant having just been announced, uh, although we had done some planning in anticipation of hopefully receiving the grant funding, um, we are now full bore into recruiting. And, you know, I will say this, Patrick, I think there's a lot of people very excited about this opportunity. It's a it's a different approach to healthcare. It's a very dynamic concept. People do see that not only is behavioral health, uh, I think, gaining a greater um, importance in kind of the universal conscious, but uh, I think uh, young practitioners that come out are really embracing the idea of. Um, not sticking to the old paradigms of how we do business, how we deliver health care. So I think when you offer new and innovative and the opportunity to uh, serve large portions of unserved people, it, it appeals to uh, a lot of care providers and a lot of psychiatrists. So, you know, early on, I would say uh, I'm very excited about the response we're getting, but uh, you, you absolutely touched on it. And as I said earlier, it isn't just psychiatrists. It's it's um, it's a number of behavioral health specialists that uh, we really need to recruit um, to provide uh, you know the full spectrum of care that that we intend to provide when we get this thing to uh, full capacity. Yeah, um, and in the sort of minute or so that we have left here, the the and this is maybe a <laughs> too big a question for that, but you, there must be something. Um, uh, in terms of the delivery of behavioral health, counseling, psychiatry, that you lose by doing it electronically, doing it through a TV screen or computer screen or an iPad or a phone. What, what is lost in that process? Yeah, yeah, that's a very fair question. You know, I'll first preface, it, uh, preface my answer by saying, so there's been a fair amount of study on this. And then, interestingly, um, Counseling, behavioral health services were, were one of the first to adapt uh, telemedicine, so the video interview. So I think what you lose is you do kind of lose that ability to uh, maybe read the full body, you know, the the, um, the subconscious responses of the individual by posture and, and movement. But it's interesting because you do gain a few things. Some people actually are more comfortable uh, with a little separation, um, actually feel uh, less shy, less inhibited when they're speaking through a video connection. So, you know, there certainly are some losses, and it's kind of that gestalt sense of how the patient's presenting and appearing. But I think there's some gains as well. And so uh, people, I think, before they've had a chance to do uh, a fair amount of telemedicine delivery, are very concerned that it's going to be uh, inhibiting or limiting for them as a practitioner. 
But if you talk to people who practice, I, I really think that goes away pretty quickly. It's uh, It really is uh, an amazing development. The grant is $7.8 million over three years from the Helmsley Trust, and uh, I'm sure there will be much more to talk about in terms of behavioral health delivery and healthcare in general uh, through using eCare. And uh, Dr. Matthew Stanley, he is clinical vice president of the Avera Behavioral Health Service line. Uh, Dr. Stanley, uh, we, we deeply appreciate you taking some time for us, and I hope to get to talk to you soon. Well, I would look forward to it. And again, thank you, Patrick. Thanks for the opportunity. Coming up after the break here, we'll tell you what's going to happen next week. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Oh my geez, it's the weekend. How about that? This is awesome. We made it. Just a reminder, everybody. October twenty-seven. That's coming right up. Trick or treat trail run ten a.m. starting at Pasley Park on the bike path along the scenic Big Sioux River. Five k run walk. A ten k run. There will be a candy dash for kids three to ten. It starts at nine thirty a.m. The Candy Dash is .5 mile race. Each finisher receives a goodie bag and an event t-shirt. For more information on this and other events in the Sioux Empire, see our listing at KSOO.com. Oh my geez, we're going to have a bunch of shows next week too, eh? Going to have uh, Common Man in on Monday. we got Tim Bjorkman here on Tuesday, congressional candidate Tim Bjorkman. Uh, Jody Schwann's in on Thursday, talking biz. It's going to be fun. Oh my geez, Dan, you're going to be here? I am going to be here all week next week. That's awesome. Well, we hope we see you too. Three to five weekdays, the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Oh my geez, come and see us.